Okay, let's head with me to Zechariah, if you would. Zechariah chapter 7. The last time we were together, we saw that some people came down from Bethel. And they met with Zechariah and, and the priests that were in Jerusalem. Remember, they're rebuilding the temple. Uh, the temple has been stalled for a period of time. Now the temple is being rebuilt again. And they come down from Bethel and they ask uh, Zechariah and the priest and the prophets that were there in the city, should we feast as we did in the land of Babylon, the land of Shinar? Should we continue to feast as we did back there? The problem with that was that was not a prescribed feast and fast. There were many fasts going on. So there would be a feast and then a fast to go along with that, a feast and a fast. The, the fasts, though, were part of their, uh, their, uh, their terrible woes, their terrible uh, dilemma, their plight, because they were in the land of Babylon under captivity, and they fasted at certain times. There were several of them. There's a couple mentioned here, and in chapter 8 and uh, in verse um, 19. Uh, should we continue to fast the way we did? Well, remember we looked at this. It was not a prescribed Fast. God had not prescribed that. The only prescribed fast was on the Day of Atonement. And that was the only prescribed fast under Mosaic Law. So this was something that they made up. Was it wrong to do? No, not necessarily. Uh, it was not wrong. Like, we're not described when to read the Bible. If you read the Bible in the morning, well, good for you. If you read it in the evening, good for you. If you read it at lunch break, good for you. No, we're, told, we're not told when to read the Bible, but we're told to read the Bible. You can decide when you would like to do that, when it when it's, fits into your particular schedule. Um, so they were fasting, uh, and it was not a prescribed fast, and God said, well, uh, the temple's being rebuilt, atonement's going to be taking place again. Uh, however, God warns them uh, about this prescribed fast. When you were fasting... What was it for? What was the purpose? And we see that in verse 7. Then came the word of the Lord of hosts unto me, Zechariah speaking, speak unto all the people of the land and to the priests, saying, When you fasted and mourned in the seventh month, even those seventy years, did you at all fast unto me, even unto me? I'm reading from the King James Bible. In other words, when you were fasting... It was probably because you were in sorrow, because you were in the land of Babylon, but were you really fasting unto me? Was it something you did unto me, or was it because you were caught and in a horrible position? Some people only pray when the problems come. Oh God, get me out of this, you know, type of thing. And God is asking him, when you were fasting, that is, they were, they were bringing their hearts low before the Lord, when you did fast, did you do it unto me? Now, fasting is an interesting subject. We won't take time to look at it. But look, if you look at it through the New Testament, there were times of fasting for people. It was not prescribed necessarily by God, but people could fast. <clears throat> and usually people fasted because the situation was so difficult. You're not hungry. Uh, you know, I, I've experienced this. You have people come into great times of sorrow. Uh, you should eat something. No, I'm not hungry. Why? Because there's a situation at hand. And the situation is more important than eating right now. And so you're not hungry. When we try to make people eat, eat, it'll make you feel better. Well, no, it won't necessarily. 
there may be times when you're fast, fasting, the situation is so important that you just decide food is not as important as the situation and you just want to bring your heart before the Lord. That's fasting. So if you want to do that, that's fine. There's nothing against that. However, when you do, make sure you're not showing people you're fasting. Remember our Lord Jesus said, you wash your face. Don't walk around like the hypocrites. You make sure you wash your face. Well, they were fasting, and God says, did you do it unto me? Verse 6, and when you did eat and when you drank, did you eat uh, for yourselves or drink for yourselves? Should you not hear the words which the Lord hath cried by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited? It's too bad you're doing it now. You should have listened before. It's too bad you're doing it now. You should have done it before. You should have listened to the prophets when they spoke in Jerusalem. It's so beautiful. Verse 7. Should you not have heard the words of the Lord had cried by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and when prosperity and its cities round about it, when men inhabited the Negev and the Shephelah, when they were all around Jerusalem, when, when Jerusalem was inhabited by the people of Israel, you should have listened then. And then, of course, the word of the Lord came once again in verse 8. And the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment and show mercy and compassion every man to his brother. Now, behind the scenes, we do not know exactly what's going on until you, you read the rest of the books about the captivity. If you read Ezra and you read ne Nehemiah, when they were released from the captivity, they were back in the land, but they went right back to their old ways. They went right back to what they were used to doing. They were actually oppressing the poor again. They had just been released by God from, from uh, Babylon. They had just got back in the land within a scope of, of several years, and they were right back to doing what they were doing. Under Mosaic law, they were to execute true judgment, true righteousness. But they were right back to where they were oppressing the poor. Hear the word of the Lord. Listen to what God's saying. And you know, you can imagine these folks, and, and I, I see this in, 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 uh, at times in the lives of individuals. Well, why isn't God answering me? What is the problem? Why am I going through all these things? And we ask questions. And, and I suppose that's exactly what the... Uh, the people of Israel were doing. Lord, why? What, why are we going? What is happening here? What are the problems? Remember, they were released to go and build the temple. They stopped building the temple. And there were all kinds of situations coming upon them. <clears throat> Sam Ballot and the rest of his crew came down and were stopping the temple. They had to remember when they were building the walls around Jerusalem, they had to have a trowel in one hand to mix the mortar for the bricks, and then they had to have a spear in the other hand to protect themselves. They were continually under harassment, under distress. Why is that? Well, God lets them know it's because of their lifestyle. It's because of what they're doing. They belong to the Lord. They're God's people. But God is not going to bless them because they're still involved in sinful lifestyles. He says to them in verse 8, 9 rather, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment uh, and saying, execute true judgment and show mercy and compassion every man his brother. Remember what they were doing is the rich that went back to the land, the, those who had wealth, 
they were actually oppressing and taking for a, uh, for a dowry, they were taking the sons and daughters of the people who could not afford to, their land. They were just simply without, without any compassion. Notice in verse 9, verse 9 if you would, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment, verse 10, and oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, the sojourner, nor the poor, and let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. So there was all kinds of evil going on, and, and they were wondering, well, why is this happening? Well, because you're not honoring the Lord. You're just not honoring the Lord. And God wanted them to know that he was requiring of them. What was happening to them? Notice in verse uh, 11. But they refused to hearken and pull away the shoulder and stop their ears and that they should not hear. What does the pulling away of a shoulder mean? You know, you know, you try to deal with a little child, some little baby, and you want to you know, just grab them or something, and they, mm. and that's the term here. Actually, it's used, I, I, I searched around for that term used, and it's really used of an oxen refusing the yoke. Apparently, if you have an ox and you wanted to put the yoke on it, and they didn't want it on, they would just simply slam their head around that you could not get a yoke on them at all. I, when I, I used to travel to, um, well, I was brought to um, Maine every summer to work on my ch uncle's chicken farm up in Maine. He had 50,000 chickens. And right across the street from my uncle, he had oxen, these huge oxen, massive, massive things. I was small at the time, so they were probably even bigger to me. But I remember this guy whacking them with a stick, and the oxen would just stand there. He'd try to try to hook them up, and they'd move, and they'd whack them with a stick. They'd just simply stand there. Uh, and when they tried to put the, um, the uh, yokes on them, it, it was actually leather, but he tried to put them on them, they would twist their head and move. And that's what it means here. They made their hearts, pick it up in verse uh, 12, they made their hearts as an adamant stone, as just a, like a piece of glass, like a piece of uh, diamond. They... They made their hearts so hard against the Lord, they would not listen. The hardening of the heart. And this is such a terrible thing to see when men and women harden their heart toward the Lord. Uh, it's wonderful to see someone with a sensitive heart, isn't it? It really is. It, a heart to, to, to honor the Lord. But you know, once people turn away, turn away, won't listen to the Lord... We, we see a pattern in life whereby they begin to harden their own heart. Let's look at a couple passages, if we could, um, just for a moment. Uh, head with me, please, to um, Proverbs chapter 21. We're coming back here, but Proverbs chapter 21. The scripture talks a lot about this hardening. They hardened their heart. Proverbs chapter 21. We're going to look at just a couple of quick passages here. Proverbs 21, look with me please at verse 29, Proverbs 21, 29. Remember, this is reminding a young man, uh, young men, young women. Proverbs 21, look at verse 29. A wicked man hardens, hardens his face, he hardens his face. You know what that means? He just sour about it, just get hard face. But as for the upright, uh, he directeth his way. So an up. Uh, uh, a, a man with a hard face, he's not going to follow, he's not going to do what he's supposed to do, 
He just has a hardened heart. But an upright person will direct his ways. God will be able to direct him and use him. Look at chapter 28, same book, 28 and verse 14. Remember, we went through the book of Proverbs one time. It's such a wonderful book with just everyday common sense, God's word pointing out uh, the uh, little brackets, the little couplings there. Proverbs 28, look at verse 14 for a moment. Happy is the man that feareth always, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. Be happy is the man that does what? He fears God. Remember the, the wisdom, the beginning of wisdom is a fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This guy does not fear. He begins to harden his heart. And that happens in the lives of many, many people. Believers, it happens to, and unbelievers as well. They find a reason why they're not going to do this. They're not going to follow the Lord. They're not going to do God's will. And in the life of a believer, you can become harder and harder and harder. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. It doesn't mean the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell on you. You're born again you, because of his work, not your work. But your life is a mess. Why? Because you've hardened your own heart before the Lord. Let's look, if we can, at 29 verse 1. He that being often reproved hardens his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and without remedy. See that? 29.21? Uh, 29.1, I'm sorry. He that being often reproved hardens his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. This, this guy, he's, he's always being challenged in this. Always being challenged in this. And um, he just ends up hardening his heart in that area. Of course, you know a, a couple of passages in the Scriptures, New Testament, but turn with me there just for a minute. Hebrews chapter... Hebrews 3, the wonderful book of Hebrews, written to Hebrew believers. In Hebrews chapter 3, look with me please at um, Hebrews 3 and verse 13. Hebrews chapter 3 and look at verse 13 for a moment. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest... Oh, I'm I'm, I'm in chapter 4, sorry. Chapter 3, verse uh, 13. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest in any of you, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sins. Become dull, hard against the word of God. Um, just adamantly refusing to do God's will. And so the Spirit of God speaks to us, and, and we, we recognize we're, we're, we're somewhat, and we're going to see this in a moment, chastened by God, but We don't have the love, joy, peace in our life, the long-suffering. It's just not there anymore. And then after a little while, people can quench the Spirit because they refuse to listen to God's Word in their life. It's a procedure that happens. It's slow. It's grinding. It grinds slow, but it grinds exceedingly fine in the life of believers. And, of course, the unsaved, like a pharaoh, such an interesting section, and we'll get to it in our Sunday school. I appreciate everything Doug had to say this morning up here. But in our Sunday school uh, lesson, we're going to get to where Pharaoh, where, where Pharaoh hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart, and then God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And amazing, amazing. Think about that. God held Pharaoh up so he could smash him down. Oh, what a concept. 
Think about it. Think about it. God was going to bring judgment. And God does bring judgment. And those people out there who curse at about, uh, about our God, they curse with his name, they, they blaspheme his name, they try to disprove God's word. Those people continually harden their heart. I'm not saying they can't be saved. They can be, but there seems to reach a time in their life when it's time for God to act. And he removes the breath from them, and it's over. It's too late. Okay, head with me one more place. 1 Timothy chapter 4. You're familiar with this, obviously. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Not that you're not familiar with all the passages we look at. But in 1 Timothy chapter 4, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, I'm interested in verse 2, please. 4, 2. What's verse 1 of chapter 4? Now the Spirit speaks expressly or clearly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. This is the time just prior to and in the beginning of the great tribulation period right unto the end. Notice what's going to happen. Uh, they will... Uh, give heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, uh, unfeeling after a while. That does not mean that they cannot be saved. They can be saved. We're to pray to someone, for someone until their last breath. I was involved a, a while back in a funeral, and the pastor that was up there said uh, something to this effect. We pray for this person's soul. He died three days ago. You're, you're three days too late, buddy. It's over. He made up his mind, and three days ago the decision was rendered. So the hardness of the heart, what can happen? Well, before too long, they, they just turn themselves over. It's being tied with the cords of your own sin. That's an interesting concept. I don't know if you've ever had... Uh, I was, <clears throat> it was suggested that I be sent away to a camp when I was younger. I'm not proud of it, but that's what happened. And I was sent away to a camp, and they were training us, almost a military type of training. It was terrible. And they made, they made boys out of men. We thought we were men, and they showed us that we weren't. Well, anyway, we went to this camp, and we had to crawl through some barbed wire. And I thought, what's the big deal with that? And I remember starting getting tangled in the barbed wire. And every way I moved, it grabbed me here, it grabbed me there. And it didn't just grab a hole in my clothes, it grabbed a hole in my skin. So I became a ball of flesh laying there on the ground, completely tangled in the barbed wire. And one of the, uh, quote, camp counselors, <laughs> he came over, what a mess you are. Yes, I know, please help me, you know, and all this stuff. But... Uh, <clears throat> You can get tangled, so tangled that you cannot get yourself out. There's no way possible. And that's what the term is, being entangled in the cords of your own sin. They can wrap you up so tight, it will ruin your life. Now, it doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. You are. It doesn't mean you're not saved. You are. It doesn't mean you won't appear before God. You will. But what it can mean is your testimony here on earth and your fruitfulness for the Lord has been rendered inoperative because you hardened your heart before the Lord. So head back with me now. Tragically, tragically, notice what happened in verse 12. Again, Zechariah 7, 12. 
Instead of caring for one another, they refused to do that. Instead of honoring the Lord with their life, they refused to do that. They were not the, 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 the people of God that they should have been, though be, still being the people of God. <clears throat> and the Lord said in verse 12, Yea, they made their hearts an adamant stone, lest they should hear the law and the word which the Lord of hosts had sent, to his, uh, sent in his spirit for the form, uh, by the former prophets. Therefore came a great wrath from the Lord God of hosts. So God's judgment prevailed. You know, God keeps his word that he's going to bring you to heaven, but he also keeps his word that he will chasten those who do not obey him. One word's as good as the other. Oh, God couldn't do that to me. Oh, yes, he could. Oh, yes, he could. And what happened to them? Well, I want you to notice in verse uh, 12, if you would, verse 12, uh, verse 13, rather, Therefore it came to pass that as he cried, and they would not hear, so they cried, and I would not hear, said the Lord of hosts. See, they cried out for mercy, and though he's the God of great mercy, he's the God of all mercy. They had so planted their lives in such wickedness that God said, I'm not going to move it from you. You are going to go through the bottom of this thing. And that was, of course, the captivity of, of, by Babylon. I can just imagine, can't you, the great prayer times when the Babylonian uh, army surrounded Jerusalem. Can't you? They met together at great prayer groups. Oh, God, hear us. Oh, God, please. It was too late. It was too late. If they believed in Jehovah God, of course they were going to go to heaven. If they were killed by the Babylonians, of course they were going to go there. Why? Because God said they would. But they were still going to go through the bottom of it. And some Christians have to go through the bottom of it for disobedience to God's word. It doesn't mean they're not saved. It doesn't mean that. But if they continually harden their heart to God and his word, and God brings upon them that which is a corrective issue, then they're going to go through it. And no one wants to think about that. I, I certainly don't. So we need to have an open spirit to the Lord, don't we? We need to make sure that we're in a place whereby we're honoring the Lord and careful to, 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 to be sensitive to his word. And when sin enters, we confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin. And we reestablish that fellowship with him. We're in Christ. He's in us. We're delighted with that. We want to make sure that we are not part of God's chastening. Now, sometimes the only way for God to get the attention is to, and to bring us back to a spiritual walk is to bring trials into our life. You know that from James chapter 1, of course. But there are other times when God needs to bring affliction and suffering into the life of a Christian to get their attention. Wow. Listen, not all suffering is chastening. Not all suffering is chastening. But all chastening will bring suffering. Not all suffering is chastening. You can go through a medical issue in your life, and God may take you home with that medical issue. That doesn't mean he's chastening you. It means that God has allowed you to come to this point where he's preparing to take you home. But when God begins to chasten, 
it will result in suffering. Turn with me to Hebrews. You know this passage very well, please. Hebrews chapter 12. You've been there. Hebrews chapter 12. There's a whole bunch of Jewishness in the book of Hebrews. They're believers, I believe. For the most part, he's talking to unsafe people as well, obviously. We're part of a group. But I want you to notice, uh, God lets us know that uh, he wants, he will chasten us for his, for our good, and because of his perfect will. We see that in uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse 10. For they verily for a few days chasten us. Who's that? Our fathers. I know it's not politically correct to do that anymore. And you need to give kids time out. Well, I kind of wish my father had given me more time outs. Uh, but all there was is time for a beating. <laughs> um, but I know people don't do that anymore. And I'm not saying it was the right thing for my father to do. But I, I remember getting a beating. When my father said, you're going to get a beating, that's what he meant. It was a beating, all right. But he, I recognize, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> I'm not doing that again. Because with that comes this. So our fathers, uh, they chastened us. And it was, I believe my father loved me for the most part. And I think he did it so that I would be uh, not as foolish as I was. But notice in verse 10, for they verily for a few days chastened us. After their own pleasure, but he that but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. So God, they did it because they felt that was best, that was right for them to do to us, our fathers. But God does it in a perfect way, that I might be a partaker of his holiness. Now I'm in Christ. I'm holy. I'm pure. I'm sanctified. I'm set apart. But I still may need chastening from the Lord. And I've already been down the line now. I, I, I don't have the love, joy, peace, long-suffering. I'm, 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 I'm grieving the Spirit of God in my own life. And then before too long, what begins the process of uh, God can begin the process of bringing chastening my life to get me back where I should be. Verse 11, now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them who are exercised by it. Therefore, if you have been chastened by the Lord, therefore lift up the hands that hang down and the feeble knees. I, I, I remember even with my own children, I'm sure you experienced this, you, you had to discipline them for something. And uh, you allow them time for emotional outbursts because of the discipline. Um, but they can reach a, a limit, right, where they keep on screaming. They keep on crying. They just keep on going. That's as much rebellion as when you started the process because they, they, they're showing their displeasure. God says, don't show your displeasure. I did it for a reason. I did it for a reason. I did it so that you would grow in me, so you'd mature in me so that you would not have to go through this again. That's the purpose of this whole business. But what about Israel? Now head back. God would not answer them. This is, this is shocking to us. God did not answer them. Why didn't he answer them? Well, God lets us know that it's because 
he had warned them through the prophets over and over and over again, and they wouldn't listen. So when they would not listen to him, and so when they cried out, he would not listen to them. Babylon's coming. Isaiah, 40 years. You've got to stop. You've got you to stop. You, you can't do this anymore. God's bringing a, a nation from the north to destroy you. What does that guy know? Who does he think he is anyway? And you see that all the way through the book of Jeremiah. And then finally, they come. It's too late. The harvest is in. The summer is ended. And we're not saved, Jeremiah said. It's over. Babylon's going to come. And they are going to destroy. And again, I mentioned you, don't you think there were prayer meetings going on? When finally, around the entire city of Jerusalem, the Babylonian armies came. Don't you think there was a time of prayer? I think there was. But it was too late. It was too late. So what happened? God said that I won't answer them. Well, can we apply this to the New Testament? Well, the answer to that is yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. And the reason I say that is because we have some information. Turn with me to James chapter 1, please. No, God will always hear us, but we recognize that we may go through a time of testing and trials. We're in James chapter 1, and how do we respond to those trials? How am I going to respond to a trial that comes into my life? Well, all of James chapter 1 uh, is dealing with that. But pick it up in verse uh, 4. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be entire and lacking nothing. So God wants a maturity to, to grow within us. I expect that from my children. You expect that from your children. We expect to see that in our grandchildren. And God expects to see it in his children, a maturity. They're not going to do what they used to do. There's supposed to be a learning process, is there not? There's supposed to be some spiritual growth. That's what the Word of God does. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. There's a maturity that needs to go into it. I'm not saying you reach some kind of nirvana where you're perfect. That's not happening. It's obvious. Look at me, you know. Look at the oldest person in the place. (laughs) Are they perfect? Well, the answer to that is yes. (laughs) but think about it there needs to be a growth but notice what God says to this in James chapter 1 let's pick it up in verse 6 remember he says to Acts if any of you ask wisdom let him give to God who gives uh, liberally to all men and he does not uh, chasten or criticize he does not upbraid and it shall be given him but let him ask in faith nothing wavering For he that waves is like the wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. This is the person who just won't believe God. He won't listen to God. He won't ask God. He just continues on in his own way. God's trying to get his attention, but he won't listen. Why? Oh, because that can't be for me. Me? I've been around for 40 years, 80 years, 20 years. I know this stuff. Don't tell me I was the head of a big Something. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Verse, um, verse 7. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. 
if you're not going to listen to God, don't expect him to come through for you in your time. If you're not going to listen to him, don't expect it. Now, does God hear us when we confess? Of course he does. Of course he does. Does he hear us when he brings judgment upon us? Of course he does. When he brings chastening upon us? Of course he does. But realize you can get to a place when it's over. When it's over. Will he hear you? Yes. Will he bring you to glory? Yes, he will. But you may have to go through some pretty tough stuff. Someone in prison. Did God hear their prayer for forgiveness? Yes, he did. But they still killed the guy. That guy's still dead, and they'll stay in jail. Why? Because the crime and the punishment go together. And sometimes you and I can get involved in something that can bring us to some pretty dark places in life. Has God forgiven us? Yes, he is. Has, uh, am I going to heaven? Yes, I am. Am I a child of the king? Yes, I am. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to go through that dark place. It's, it's the consequences of a life that's not yielding. We need to be careful, don't we? We really need to be careful before the Lord. So I don't want to take all... I'm almost out of time. Now head back with me. Uh, can I bring you to a, a psalm? I won't have you go to it. But you know 6618, Psalm 6. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Those are some pressing passages that we have to deal with, that we have to recognize. I know people go to the Psalms to claim the blessings. Well, here's a Psalm that talks about some pretty tough stuff. You can't have one without the other, can you? No, not at all. God's Word is relevant, and we need to recognize it. And all things, every, whatever was written in the early times, was written for our learning. We need to learn something, how God dealt with the nation of Israel. Okay, now how do I, how do I uh, differentiate when something comes into my life? How do I differentiate uh, what's going on? What do I do? Well, I, I have problems come into my life, and we all have them. Varying degrees of problems, different uh, dimensions of problems. But we all have problems come into our life. What do we do? Well, James tells us that we're to ask of God. Ask of God. How, how does that work? Well... Can I suggest a couple things that have worked in my life? Doesn't mean it's going to work in yours, but I... The first thing you need to do is sit alone and be quiet. Take that phone, push the button that says off, and put it somewhere. Get away from your spouse. Get away from the radio and the television. Get alone with the Lord and ask Him. With sincereness of heart. Just you and the Lord alone ask him, Lord, I need your help in this. And then run through a series of, of tests in your own life, as I do in mine. I heard a man, uh, you know him, Dr. Al Mola one time, he said he sits down with people to counsel with them. And when he sits down, he asks them two questions. First of all, why are you here? That's important, right? To know why they're here. And then they, what is your problem? And they tell them his problem. And then he asks them another question. What does God say about your problem? And if they're able to articulate what God says about their problem from the Bible, he says, then why are we meeting? In other words, do it. Do it. So if you're running through some problems in your life and you ask the Lord, Lord, 
what do you say about this? How do I go about this? How do I research this? The Lord, through the Spirit of God, will give you wisdom to do that. But recognize some things that come into our life are a result of the life we've been living, and we have to deal with them. You may have to go through some tough things. So we come before the Lord, we ask him why. We ask him, I need help, I need information. Now it's good, it's okay to get counsel, but the first step is for you to sit alone before the Lord and pour your heart out to him, asking him for his perfect direction, for his perfect. It's okay to go to other people after that, but he's the first one. Don't go to other people first, go to him first and ask him. Back and we'll, um, we'll stop just back in Zechariah, if we could, please. What was the result of Israel and their, their, their dishonoring the Lord? Now, he's talking about the forefathers, remember, in chapter uh, 7, verses 4, right down through uh, verse uh, 14. Talking about the forefathers now, because the subject was brought up concerning fasting. Uh, were you fasting unto me in the land of Babylon? Like your forefathers did? Was that part of it? I spoke to them through the prophets. They wouldn't listen to me. I'm speaking to you through the prophets, and you wouldn't listen to me. He says in verse 14, But I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations whom they knew not. Thus, it, uh, thus the land was desolate after them, that no man passed through nor returned, for they said, uh, The pleasant land is desolate. I laid the pleasant land desolate. Um, if you went to Israel today, remember when you have Abraham, as we'll be seeing in our Sunday school, and I hope you come out to that, but we have Abraham and Lot, and they're down and they're looking at the Dead Sea, the southern part of the Dead Sea, and, and God, and this is a quote from the scriptures, it was a land that flowed with rivers and milk and honey. Go there today and take a look. It's like Arizona, the, the high deserts of Arizona. You, you wouldn't want... A square foot of it. You wouldn't want it. Why? It's desolate. Why? Because God allowed the land to be destroyed. He allowed his land to be destroyed. However, and this is where God comes back to his people now in chapter 8 and verse 1. Again the word of the Lord uh, of hosts came unto me saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I was jealous for Zion with a great jealousy, and I was jealous for her with great fury. Thus saith the Lord, I will return once again unto Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem and Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth and the mountains of the Lord of hosts and a holy mountain. See, though the land was destroyed, though it was going through this great, great uh, rebuilding, if you would, and it would fail once again, it's going to fail once again, and that's when we get into uh, the intertestamental period. It's going to be destroyed once again. But God, God is going to one day rebuild his holy mountain. I think that's why um, Paul says to us, Peter says similar language, John does as well, that the sufferings of this present time aren't worthy to be compared. That is, we may go through some t stuff on this earth. You don't have as much as the rich people that are making all the noise. You don't, you don't have the fame and you don't have the wealth or the health that other people have. But one day, God's going to bring us to his holy hill. And then we'll return to Jerusalem with him. 
So God has a plan for us as he did for the nation of Israel. And that plan on this earth is blessing, uh, walking in him in true fellowship. It will have the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. That's all God's plan for us, just as it was his plan for Israel to dwell in the land and honor him. So we, we, you and I, each one of us, want to make sure that we're walking in the middle of God's will, the perfect will of God. Make sure that we're submitting ourselves to the word of God, that we are not rebels against God's word, that we're not finding any and every excuse to get away with something that God doesn't want us to do or not to do something he does want us to do. God reminds Israel of their position before him and their responsibility to him. And we have a position before our Lord Jesus Christ and we have a responsibility to him to walk according to the word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. We know, Father, that we have a responsibility and an accountability before you. Father, we know we cannot make ourselves perfect. We are far from that. But we can walk in the power of the word of God and we can uh, walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and thus we can be those people who you can use mightily. We know that in every house, every uh, Every building, there's a vessel, uh, one to honor and one to dishonor. Father, help us to be those vessels of honor unto you. Lord, we know that it's not in our own power. It's not in our own strength. We need to walk in the power of the word of God. We need to uh, allow the spirit of God to work through us. So, Father, we pray as we learn about Israel, and now we'll be getting into this section that talks about one day you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel. What a time it will be, but it will not come without great suffering. It will not come without great tribulation. It will not come without a, without a great purging of that land of Israel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.